We are gonna continue in our journey through the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm so glad that you're here this morning and, uh, and wanna just kind of bring you along. This has been, for us, if this is your first time uh, with us this morning, uh, this has been quite a journey. So we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount uh, over the last several uh, weeks and, and months, really, and uh, so we, we're picking up kind of right in the middle here in Matthew chapter six, which Hunter just read for us. And, and what's happened in Matthew's gospel thus far is that John the Baptist has shown up and has announced that the kingdom of God is coming, that the kingdom of God is, and he, he talks about it being upon you. It's right here at the doorstep, and so you need to be ready for God's kingdom to come, which for Israel was huge, because this meant this long-awaited rescue, this meant the forgiveness of sin, this meant this new exodus that God through the prophets had been talking about for so long that they'd been yearning for, and then Jesus shows up and says, it's here. The kingdom of God has arrived in me. And what's interesting about Jesus' announcement is that all the right people miss it. All the ones that you would think would be the ones that would respond to this message of repentance are actually the ones that are kind of standoffish to Jesus. It's the religious elite, it's the kind of the social elite, this top tier uh, of those uh, in Jesus' time that kind of look at him and go, no, it's not quite what we expected. But it's this really strange group of outsiders that responds to the gospel message. It's the sick, it's the hurting, it's the, it's the blind, it's the marginalized, it's all the outcasts. And Jesus goes and he heals and he forgives gives and he sets free and those are the people that just flock to him in droves the ordinary and the outcast come and they're following him and so the sermon on the mount is this moment where Jesus stops and he's got these masses of just ordinary people like you and me that have have kind of walked away from life and want to hear what Jesus has to say is the kingdom really here if so what does it look like to come after you so this group were people that were his students in essence and what Jesus does is in the very beginning of the sermon is he talks to them about where the problem really lies. He gets into the wickedness and the corruption of the human heart. He, he talks about all the ways that we hurt and break one another. And he says that it looks like these kind of, the, the, these are the problems, these things that we see on the surface. But really, that's not the problem. The problem is not violence. The problem is anger from which violence comes. The, the problem isn't, isn't the, the act of adultery. It's lust that springs up from the heart. That, and, and so he goes in and, and talks about and dissects the human heart and talks about how the human heart uh, needs renewal. We don't just need to become better behaving people. We need renewed hearts, which is exactly what the prophets had been saying all along. We read last week how the prophet Ezekiel says, look, you have a heart of stone. And what God's going to do is he's going to remove that heart of stone and he's going to give you a heart of flesh. He's going to put his spirit within you in this great act of new life and recreation. And it's in that, it's in this becoming new and alive that you will walk in God's law and his commandments. And so Jesus is teaching them, what does that look like? If you're going to forsake all and come to me, if your heart is going to be renewed, if your sin is going to be forgiven, then what's it going to look like for you to live a life in the kingdom? And Jesus is teaching them about what that looks like. And at the same time, he's living it out right in front of them. He is living out this perfect righteousness while at the same time teaching them what that looks like for them and calling them a light to the world when they live into the kingdom of God. 
And I said last week that I feel like the, the, the section on in chapter six that we've been going through the last few weeks could have been called uh, the, 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 uh, the, the enemies of the human heart. Because he talks about how, listen, when you pray and give and fast, don't do it for the attention and the praise of others. And then he talks about not, not uh, living their life where, where the praise of others is all that they, uh, that they want and, and what, they, what they strive and live for. Here, and then he, and then he, the second thing he talks about is not chasing after earthly and, and worldly things. He says, you can't, the human heart can't be divided. You can't go after material things to store those things up and also come after the kingdom. You have to just come after the kingdom. Now we kind of take those things for granted and we read those things and we go, okay, I get it, I get it. Don't live for the praise of people, check, okay. Don't, don't have a divided heart, check, okay. And then it sounds like what Jesus is about to do in the section we just read is he's gonna say, also, don't be worried and don't, uh, don't be anxious, but that's not actually what's happening here is, as it is laid out. He is gonna talk about being anxious and worry, but the very beginning of this section has a really important word for us, and you should be well-trained in this word. You should know well what this word means. What's the very beginning of this section? In verse 25, the very first word is, therefore. So Jesus is connecting what he's about to say to what he has already said. And I wanna just stop and, and, and think about that for a second because if we just run on through and we think what Jesus is saying is also don't be worried and don't, don't be anxious, then we're gonna totally, totally miss it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think for just a quick second, if you can just rehearse the last 24 to 48 hours of your life, if you could just try and get in your imagination the things that you've thought the things that you've maybe worried about, the things that you have put a significant amount of thought and energy towards. Here's what I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess that about 90% of whatever it is that you've thought about, that you have worried about in the last 48 hours has something to do with the two previous categories that Jesus has just talked about. About 90% about what we think about has to do with how we're being perceived by others. Am I welcome? Do others like me? Am I included? Is this, am I okay? Is one category. And I bet a huge amount of your thought and your worrying and your energy has been focused on that very thing. And then the other category, what else do we think about? How am I gonna be okay? Provision and security. How is it that I'm gonna get what I need to get in order to make it the next week, in order to make it the next month, maybe in order to make it the next few minutes? The point is that we spend an insane amount of time and energy on acceptance and provision. We spend an ex a ton, I'm having trouble with English this morning, so be uh, patient with me. We spend a ton of our worry, of our fear, of our anxiousness in those two categories as well. You wanna know how I know? <laughs> the same way that you know, because the moment that something in the world happens that kinda shakes our foundation, we all go to Walmart and buy toilet paper. <laughs> and that's how I know. 
we spend, we spend, and it's subtle, and it's under the surface, we spend an insane amount of time worried about and thinking about the approval of others. And we spend an insane amount of time and worry energy on how we are going to provide for ourselves. And here's what Jesus has just told this little group on the hill. He's just said about both of those things, turn it loose. You've got to stop worrying about and living your life in front of others for their approval. And you've got to stop pursuing and storing up for and making the main thing material things. You've got to turn both of those things loose. Now just stop for a second and I want you to think about, I want you to think about the way that that would hit that crowd. Probably very similar to the way it would hit every single one of us in this room this morning. If Jesus were to stand up and really get to the heart of what he was saying to them and then tell us you've got to stop living for the approval of others and you have to stop living for the storing up of material things. There's something that would begin to happen in us this morning. And here's the thing I pictured. The thing I pictured, and I don't know why this is, but I'm just gonna bring you into the way my brain works. The thing I pictured is this would be something like if someone took me up to a, a, a concourse and, and took me over the edge, I'm gonna put a picture of it on the screen, and tied a rope to my back and said, listen, jump, this little rope's gonna catch you. It's called bungee jumping. Yeah. This is, that's, a, that's a view from uh, a 150-foot jump. That's not the tallest in the world. That's a 150-foot jump. This is, it's the same thing. I thought about skydiving. I thought about bungee jumping. And, and here's the deal. When, God, when Jesus says here, turn loose of living for the approval of others, turn loose of your pursuit of material things, you know what that thing is that starts to well up in us? It's the same thing that would happen to me if I were looking over that ledge. It's called fear, worry, and anxiousness. That's what you're feeling. When Jesus says, don't live for that stuff anymore, the reason that we are feeling that is because we spend a ton of our time and energy worrying about those things, trying to gain those things. And Jesus is saying, turn it loose. And the worry and the anxiousness is exactly right back in Jesus' face is, well, then where am I going to get it? If I'm not worried about how I'm gonna make it the next day, who is? I've got to worry about it. How am I gonna belong? If I don't worry about what others think of me, how am I going to belong? Jesus, I can't just let go of this. It's really important to me that I belong in this group. It's really important to me that I have enough for tomorrow. I can't let go. That thing that wells up in us is that mechanism within the human heart that grabs hold of our belief that we are the end all be all and we cannot surrender and turn something loose to the Lord. It's called fear and worry and anxiousness. And Jesus wants us to name it. He names it right here. That's why the therefore is there. Because he says, turn loose of the things that you have been essentially living your entire life for. And he knows that the immediate reaction we're gonna have is, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that. That's called worry, fear, anxiousness, right? Jesus knows that belonging and security are real human needs. And what it can feel like right here is that Jesus just told us, oh, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. That's not what he's saying. Jesus isn't saying that belonging and being provided for aren't important anymore. But he's saying, here's why you've got to turn it loose, because you are not 
the ones that ought to be providing those things for yourself. Belonging is not about how you can perform and put on a mask so that others believe something about you. That's not belonging, that's fake. And the human need for belonging causes us to perform for others so that they will accept us. But Jesus says that's broken, that's a distortion. Belonging comes from me. There's also this thing in us that worries about and believes that we're the ones that provide everything. And so we go about our lives getting and gathering and storing up and keeping. And it's not that material things and earthly things are bad. Jesus never says to reject those things. What he tells us, though, is that you are not the creator and provider. I am. So turn them loose and I will provide. And see, this is, this is huge because Jesus isn't telling us that those things are not important. And he's also not telling us, and I wanna stress this, he is not saying that worry and anxiousness are some, he's not bringing shame to worry and anxiousness. He is acknowledging what happens inside of a human heart. is called worry and anxiousness. Now let me tell you what it looks like to deal with it when it comes. That's what he's about to do. He is about to teach his followers that in these moments where we surrender everything to Jesus, we just give it, we just go, okay, God, you can have my life. Our flesh is gonna rise up and go, no, 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 you take that back. And really letting, it's coming for the people that are right there listening to his message. It's coming for you and I as we're processing, really letting go of living our life for the approval of others, letting go of living our life for gaining material things. That worries us and Jesus is gonna help us to deal with that worry. So he's not condemning worry, but he's also telling us something really, really important. He knows that it's gonna come and here's what he says, you don't have to live there. Worry and fear and anxiousness, these things might pop up, but they don't get to stay. They don't get to dominate your life. And he's also teaching them, great, Jesus, great, they don't get to dominate my life, so what? And what he's gonna do is he's not gonna give them a shortcut, but he's gonna teach them a spiritual discipline. He's gonna teach them a spiritual discipline for, for these moments where worry and fear and anxiousness pop up. He's gonna teach them how to think so that the truth, the reality of who God is and who we are in him sinks into their being and removes and frees them from worry and anxiousness. That's what Jesus is about to do here. So here's what he says. He says in verse 25, is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing. He's, he's saying you weren't created to live worried about these material things, worried about the acceptance of others. And then he says, and this is important, verse 26, there's a word here, it says, look. Look at the birds of the air. Now I bet you didn't know this. I didn't know this, I thought this was fascinating. You know what that word bird is in the Greek? You know what the, the, the word that he would have been using? What kind of bird? I want you to just think. If you were just thinking, okay, Jesus is gonna teach about a bird, what's in your mind? It, me, it's like I'm total, like, you know, bald eagle. Like, some enormous, elegant, just, I, all, words are, but that's, that's the category that Kendall thinks in. You know what he's talking about? You know what the word is here? It's the word for crow. <laughs> right? There it is. 
Now, I want you to, I want you to just think, because I, I guarantee you, some of you passed this guy on the way in this morning, right? How many of you noticed? Nobody. What does Jesus say? He just uses the word for crow. It's fascinating. Jesus says, look at the, and the word for bird there is the word for crow. He says, look. What does the word look mean? It means to notice. Observe, pay attention to. Jesus says, look at the crow. Look at the crow. He says, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns, but what? Your heavenly father feeds them. Now here's something cool about the crow. I don't bet you didn't know this. I, maybe you did. You guys are all crow experts, but I wasn't. And so it, here's the, the, the crow's brain to body ratio is like insane, right? They got a big brain, little body, right? And, and, and so they actually have a bigger brain to body ratio than you and I do. I don't know if that's saying that crows are smarter than us. I didn't get too deep into the science, but they're smart. They know how to do stuff. If you ever just hang out and watch a crow, you're gonna figure this out. They are crafty. This is an intelligent, intelligent being. And Jesus says, watch them, observe them, look at them. What are they doing? They are functioning as God designed and created for them to function. They are doing exactly, exactly what God designed them to do and what? They're fed. And Jesus says, watch them. They're, they're functioning totally normal. This is how God designed them to function. And that function doesn't extend into the world of, oh my gosh, if we are what we are, God won't do anything to feed us. And so we've got to go beyond what we were created to do and get extra. The crow doesn't think that way. The crow simply functions in the way in which God created it and lives in the provision of the Father who sees and knows how he created them and provides their every need. And Jesus says, look, if you'll pay attention, it will teach you something about who you are in him. That God also created you in a certain way. And part of coming to Jesus is coming into the way in which God designed and created us to live. And Jesus says here that, that storing up and, and keeping and stashing and accumulating is beyond what you were naturally created to do. Why? Because the father who created the crow and provides for the crow will provide for you. That you will be accounted for in God's economy. Look at verse 28. He says, consider the lilies of the field. Now, this isn't actually talking about a lily specifically. The word lily there is a description for a variety of plants. And I found, uh, you know, so, so Jesus basically, here's, just get this in your mind. Jesus would have been on the hillside teaching, and he would have said, look at the crow, and I think he would have pointed. Look at the crow. Look at the, and then just imagine him turning. Look at the lilies of the field. Now here's what this would have looked like if he did this in Texas. If the Sermon on the Mount was in Texas, this is what it would have looked like. Can you say amen? amen. Yeah. He would have turned and he would have said, look, look at the flowers of the field. 
And in both scenarios, Jesus is drawing their eyes and their mind to something else that God has created and designed. Look at the birds. Look at the lilies of the field. And what does he say to them? He says they don't toil or spin. They're not worried about their appearance and their beauty. And what does he say? And yet, and yet, and he uses Solomon. And Solomon is probably one of the, one of the uh, all, history's all-time richest people. And he says, even Solomon and all of his wealth, even his beauty didn't compare to these. And yet, they're not worried about it. They're not striving and toiling. They're not spinning to make themselves beautiful. They are, just like the crow, they are living into what God naturally created for them. There is a way in which God designed and created the flowers of the field and living into that design, they are, by being what God has created them to be, they are beautiful. You guys catching this? By being who God designed the crow to be, he is provided for. By being what they were designed to be, the lily of the field is beautiful. The point is that when we live into the design that God has for us, we're okay. What we want to do is we want to take the design that God had for, has for us and then say, no, thank you, God. We'd also like to do jobs that you are supposed to do. We would also like to create for ourselves beauty and then show that off to others, not so that we are adored by you, but so that they adore us. Thank you, God, we know that you provide, but we would like to also add on a little bit of insurance and make sure that provision comes from our hands because we can trust what comes from our hands and not from yours. And Jesus is saying, when you do that, when you step outside of the boundaries that you were created for, you're in violation of God's design. And so he gives them a meditation practice. He points them to the rest of creation and says, look at the way that creation functions. Do they go outside of design? No. By living inside of design, they are perfectly provided for by the Father. And then in both places, he says, who, by the way, <laughs> is your Father too. Who, by the way, sees and knows you. Who, by the way, provides for your every need. Jesus gives us an anecdote to worry and anxiousness and fear. And what is that anecdote? to stop, to look at creation, to think, and to pray. There's precedent for this in the scriptures. I'm gonna read you a couple of Psalms. Psalm 19, verse one through four says, and this is, think about what's happening here. The psalmist is writing and praying, and notice what is being written and prayed through. Verse one through four, the heavens declare the glory of God. 
The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. What's the psalmist doing? He's looking at and observing creation and how creation functioning in its natural form is praising God and he's using that as language for prayer. The psalmist in Psalm 19 is doing exactly what Jesus is telling his followers on the hillside to do. He's stopping. He's looking at what God has created. And he's thinking and he's praying. Psalm 65 is essentially the same. It says, you visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. Jump down a little bit. It says, the pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. And I just wanna stop us in this room where, where one of the greatest idols of our culture is busyness and hurry. And I wanna just ask you, how many times, when is the last time that you and I stopped long enough to look? When's the last time we put the brakes on long enough to look at creation? And not just look like, oh, I see, but to think, to listen. The psalmist here says that that literally creation is expressing a truth about God. Paul says the same thing in Romans 1 verse 20, that creation is literally shouting about God. And what Jesus is saying to his followers here is that when you feel that worry and that anxiousness come up because I've just asked you to surrender everything and follow me and you go, well, wait a minute, how am I? Wait a minute, how am I? What if, what if? And he says, when you feel that, stop. Look. Listen. Pray. And I just would venture to guess that if we would do that, And we would understand the back half of Jesus' sentences where he says, if the crow have enough, how much more would you? How much more splendor would you be clothed in? But I think that our issue is that we don't ever stop and look and listen and pray. What Jesus is trying to do here is he is trying to reconnect us to the fact that we were created to rest in him. See, verse 32, I think is really important. At the end, he talks about the difference. He says, the Gentiles run after these things. And what he's doing is he's painting a picture of the pagan world that chases after and hurries and worries about all the things that he just listed. And he, then he says, but you, you shouldn't be that way. Why? Because you have access to knowledge. And what is that 
knowledge. Look at verse 32. What's the knowledge that we have? Your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. See, the Gentiles, the pagan world, is in total scramble and panic. They're they're busy trying to gain up wealth and power. They're busy trying to, on their own, accumulate all the things that they think that they need. But you shouldn't be like that. Why? Because if you'll look at creation, if you'll stop and think and pray, you will realize that the Father provides for all that he has created. And if you give everything and surrender everything over to me, then he will, how much more, he will provide everything that you need. Because he knows that you need all of these things. So you don't have to chase them as if the only way you get them is by your own power. You'll receive them as a gift from him. Where will I get belonging if it's not from my peers? You will belong to the Messiah and his family. Where will I get material things? And there's some of you in this room that are like, okay, this is like hippie world you know, he says, don't, don't toil and strive after, like, we don't have to go to work anymore. Like, what are we talking about here, you know? <laughs> no, look at the crow, look at the lily. He's not talking about ceasing everything and doing nothing. He's talking about living in what you were naturally created to do. And God gives very specific commands as it relates to work. He says, work as unto the Lord. He says, be honest. And forthright in all of our dealings, don't take advantage of those around you. Treat those who work for you and with you with dignity and respect as image bearers. Steward all that he has given with generosity and open hands. Those are things that he's commanded us to do. He hasn't said sit idle and do nothing. He's given us a way to work. And he says that when you do that, and as you do that, I will provide for you everything that you need. As you do what I have created you to do, take a deep breath and realize that you are mine and that I will provide everything you need. I'm not gonna go into these passages, but if you're a note taker, grab these notes in John 10, 9 and 11 through 15 and in Psalm 100, the image is given of us being sheep of his pasture. I love the way that Jesus describes the sheep that go in and out under the watch care of the shepherd. The point is, those sheep don't get under the shepherd's rule and then sit down and never move again. (laughs) That's not what Jesus is talking about here. The sheep behave as sheep naturally do. And there is peace. Why? Because of the presence of the shepherd. The presence of the shepherd enables the sheep to live as they were naturally created to live. You with me? Jesus is gonna help us here and he's gonna sum all this up in verse 33 where he's gonna tell us to seek first the kingdom. But I wanna, I wanna just kind of close here. I wanna close with a, with a challenge, I think, to a world and a people, and I, I am talking to myself that has a really hard time understanding this. Jesus is saying that the anecdote to this hurried, anxious worry is a quiet meditation on the truth of who God is. I want to tell you just a quick story. Uh, And my wife's in the room, and so uh, 
I'm going to tell a story. <laughs> this, is the, this is where we had the conversation where I got permission to tell it, okay? <laughs> Man, the other day, uh, I, I wasn't in the best of moods. It happens every once in a while. And I was feeling that thing that you feel in your chest where you're just worried about a lot of things, you know, that feeling? And it, and it just, it's a tension. I don't know how else to describe it, but you know what I'm talking about? Where you just, you're worried about too many things and you got too many things going and you start to feel on the inside that tension. And when that happens to me, I don't know what happens to you, but I get short with people, I get critical, I can snap quickly, I can kind of, uh, you know, fall off the edge and be kind of sharp with my tone and blah, blah, blah. And I was doing that. And then... Like the brilliant man that I am, I noticed Lindsay responding to it, and I was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and she looked at me, you know, I, I told you about when she told me I wasn't Tom Brady. Like, she, Lindsay has a way of kind of cutting through, right? And so she looked at me, and she goes, you're being a jerk. <laughs> was I being a jerk? For sure. And those words cut, cut, <laughs> They kind of went through all of my little excuses, all of my, you know, all the reasons why it was okay to be acting like I was acting, and it just kind of was like, bam, right there in my gut. And I, I just kind of was like, where is, that, where is that coming from? Yeah, I'm being a jerk, why? And I realized that it had been a long time, a long time, and I read my Bible every morning, like I check the boxes, right? I, I pray, okay, look, I, got, I check the boxes. But it had been a long time since I'd just been quiet. And about a day after she called me a jerk, I just kind of was like, I, gotta get, I just got to go be quiet. And I spent 10 minutes, I literally, I'm just kind of one of these guys that needs the timer. So I put the timer on 10 minutes and I said, God, I'm just going to be quiet before you. I put that timer on, I'm just going to be quiet. I just want to listen to you. And a couple things I noticed Number one, I noticed that I was hearing God. I noticed that in that quiet place, I was hearing him in a way that the day before I, I hadn't been hearing him. And he was talking to me about where this stuff comes from, about my need for control. <laughs> and when things feel a little out of my control, how I clamp down and anxiousness and worry and all that stuff like pops up, right? And, and he was talking to me about that. But you know what's shocking about that? Is that I, I, I hadn't been quiet in long enough to know where all that stuff was coming from. And here's my point. My whole point in all of this is to say, listen, Jesus isn't condemning us. Jesus isn't saying, surrender everything to me and then never think about it again. He knows that in following him, there are gonna be these tough and tense moments where we're handing over things that for us before had been so, so, so important. And there's this thing that we have, this wrestling match that we have. It's like, I don't know if I can give this away. And he knows about the tension and the anxiousness that pops up in those moments. And so he says, here's how you deal with that. You've gotta get quiet. You've gotta get away because you need to look into creation and see who who I am. Your soul deep down needs to be reminded about how good I am. And the place where you find that, the place where you see that, the place where you think about that is in the quiet. So the invitation this morning for all of us is to invite you to that quiet place. I want you to stand with me this morning.
And it is, just go ahead and get it out of the way, it is 12.01. And the Cowboys don't play till seven. So stop. Can I, can I just invite you there? Speaking from someone that got so wrapped up in anxious, worried tension and then came away to a quiet place and found him there. There all along, but I never got quiet enough. And I think what Jesus is saying here is that God, in these moments of worry and anxiousness and fear, God's not gonna shout above the noise because <laughs> that wouldn't actually help you and me. Instead, what he wants to do is he wants to bring us away into that quiet place where we are shut down, where we are looking at all that he's created and all that he has done and then that place where he can say, look, look at what you see. What does it tell you about how good I am? Come on. When's the last time you listened? I'm not condemning you for any anxiousness or worry in the room this morning. Jesus wasn't doing that to them. But I do wanna ask you, if we're gonna not live in that place, when's the last time we said no to the noise? When's the last time you drew a line and said, no, I'm not gonna live in noise anymore, whether, whether, no matter where that is from. When's the last time that you set the timer and for 10 minutes said no to everything else except for your mind and your heart being fixated on him? And I don't know what God will say to you there. But Jesus seems to believe that when we do that, when we retreat from the noise and the worry and the anxiousness, and when we look around at creation and when we think and listen and pray, Jesus seems to believe that in that place, God is gonna tell you something about himself. God is gonna show you who he is in order to bring you into a place of rest. There's no shortcuts. There's no way around. We can't have hurry and quiet at the same time. Set aside some time this week and shut it down. And just look, listen. I know there's a whole group of you getting ready to climb up in a tree and hope a, hope a large animal passes your way. Shut it down. Be in that place and don't be on your phone. <laughs> Just listen. Just look. If you need to just come up here this morning in response to God and just put your face down before him, this, this place is open to you. There's people that are gonna be out these double doors on this side of the room. And if you, wanna, if you just need somebody to pray with, then please, Please go out these double doors and you're gonna find somebody there that's not a counselor, but somebody that is willing to pray and agree with you and invite God into the moment that you are in. Blake, let's just take 30 seconds and just be quiet. I'm just gonna, let's just be quiet. And then let's sing about who God is. Amen.